We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S care.com. We look forward to serving you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject of today's show is the LaFleur County Bigfoot Massacre. We will also be discussing Bigfoot and similar real or not creatures from around the world. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject then research it and based on that research we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we do miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any experience of looking for Bigfoot. Additionally, we will be talking about the oral tradition of Native peoples in North America. We want to show the greatest respect to Native peoples throughout North America and throughout the world. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. Today's subject was suggested by a listener. The suggestion is for the LaFleur County Bigfoot Massacre, which opens up the idea of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, Sasquatch being a reality. So here is a shout out to the listener who made the suggestion. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Also, if the subject is about some kind of creature, real or not, that is your favorite. Yes, this is a great subject. And of course, thank you to the listener for the suggestion. 
let's first go over the subject of the LaFleur County Bigfoot Massacre. So where is LaFleur County? In southeastern Oklahoma, bordering Arkansas adjacent to Fort Smith. It is named after the Choctaw family of LaFleur. The Choctaw are Native American sovereign nation located in Oklahoma. How well known is the story? There's only one YouTube video on the subject and apparently no other sources. The background is that Bigfoot were apparently active in the area from the 1850s. There are tales of stolen vegetables and of stolen children. That makes me a little suspicious. Stolen children might have resulted in an investigation with records. Possibly the story would be expected to be related to more than a single YouTube video. But what happened? In 1855, which was just a few years before the American Civil War, a 30-man troop were headed into what is now known as the McCurtain County Wilderness Area to take out the alleged thieves who were believed to be Bigfoot. Joshua LaFleur was the leader of the troop. They arrived at the Clover River after eight hours in the saddle in the heat of July. They had started their journey at three in the morning. Around 4.30 in the afternoon, the riders were at the edge of the area where the creatures were hiding. The Bigfoot were supposed to be about 500 yards away in a pine forest, and LaFleur gave the order to charge. What happened when they approached the pine forest? Only eight riders, including LaFleur, were able to keep charging. Apparently, the horses were spooked by a foul odor. They came to a clearing where there were remains of dead children. Three Bigfoot hadn't fled. These were all killed, but Joshua LaFleur also lost his life. They then burned the remains of the 19 children in the body of Joshua LaFleur. They lit a bonfire to burn the bodies of the three Bigfoot. Today, looking back, those actions don't seem to make sense. Surely they would have taken back some Bigfoot physical evidence for the 20 deaths. Being less than 20 hours from home, wouldn't they want to return the body of Joshua LaFleur? I don't know why they would not return with some physical evidence. If Joshua LaFleur had no family, there would have been no need to return with his body. But remember, it was 1850s, and if they went to hunt down the Bigfoot with a troop of 30, they must have already had some kind of strong evidence. Maybe they felt that there was nothing to prove, and they didn't need any reminders. I wonder why all the Bigfoot didn't just disappear. Why would three remain and apparently stand their ground? I'm not sure why three Bigfoot would want to stand around while being outnumbered 10 to 1. Those creatures, if real are notorious for being able to disappear and are usually associated with forests, ha forests, habitats, which should make that easier. I'm not sure where to start with other Bigfoot sightings. I've watched a television show, Finding Bigfoot. Wherever they are, they always seem to find some, so many uh, credible witnesses. But when it gets, gets uh, to going out and sighting Bigfoot, nothing much seems to happen. They don't find physical evidence of habitat, such as you would expect from bears or from other large animals. However, I do recall on another television show, there was some physical evidence, but it couldn't be matched with anything. What was the television show? It was called The Wild Man with the Turtle Man, Ernie Brown Jr., along with his four-legged companion, Lolly, and his buddy, Neil James. The show was filmed in rural Kentucky. Yes, I remember the guy with a missing front teeth following a chainsaw accident. He catches turtles with his bare hands, but what is the story? You couldn't invent a character like Ernie. Uh, the story is purely from my recollection. Ernie chased after a creature that resembled a Bigfoot, which left some hair behind on a fence. If my memory is correct, the, air, the hair was DNA tested, 
and couldn't be matched with anything human or animal. Ernie Brown seemed to be quite believable when he told the story. But no one seems to have found anything like a den or tree house or anything Bigfoot might use as a home. Footprints have been reported, especially as they are much larger than human footprints, so there shouldn't be any mistake that a footprint is actually human, unless oversized footwear is used to create a hoax. It all seems pretty strange, plenty of sightings, but no evidence of their existence in terms of habitat. Given the number of settings, you would think the creatures would leave plenty of evidence of their existence. So, so far, we have assumed that everyone knows what a Bigfoot looks like. Yes, here's a quote from Wikipedia regarding the description of Bigfoot. Quote, individuals claim to have seen Bigfoot, describing it as a large, hairy, muscular, bipedal ape-like creature, roughly six to nine feet or 1.8 to 2.7 meters, covered in hair, described as black, dark brown or dark reddish. Some descriptions include details such as large eyes, a pronounced brow ridge, and a large, low-set forehead. The top of the head has been described as rounded and crested, similar to the sagittal crest of the male gorilla. The creature has been reported as having a strong and pleasant smell. The enormous footprints for which a creature is named are claimed to be as large as 24 inches or 60 centimetres long and 8 inches, 20 centimetres long, wide, sorry. Some footprint casts have also, also contained claw marks, making it likely that they come from known animals such as bears, which have five toes and claws. Proponents of Bigfoot's existence claim that the creature is omnivorous and mainly nocturnal. Unquote. Doesn't sound like you, you could easily mistake a Bigfoot for anything else unless it was a figure in the distance. I guess you're now going to say that drawings of Bigfoot have been found in ancient caves and that they're thousands of years old. Actually, widespread Bigfoot sightings appear to be relatively recent. We haven't mentioned how Bigfoot got the name, which is also relatively recent. Quote, the name Bigfoot was first recorded by Americans in the late 19th century. Spotted Elk, also called Big Chief Bigfoot, was a well-known Lakota leader who was killed during the Wounded Knee Massacre in 1890. He was famous in his time and may have been the namesake for two fabled bears in the West. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, at least two enormous marauding grizzly bears were widely noted in the press and each nicknamed Bigfoot. This may have inspired common, uh, the common name of the ape creature and been a matter of confusion in early stories." Unquote. The Lakota live in the Great Plains of North America, making up a confederation of seven Sioux tribes. The Lakota know the, know the creature by the name Chai Tenka, meaning big elder brother. Apparently, tribes across North America have stories in their oral traditions describing giant hairy figures. This suggests that Bigfoot has been sighted over the centuries by native peoples. So, apart from the Lakota, Bigfoot was named after grizzly bears. When was the first document claim of a creature other than a grizzly bear? That happened in Canada in January of 1811. Surveyor and trader David Thompson was attempting to cross the Rocky Mountains near where Jasper, Alberta is now. Thompson noted a large footprint in, the, in about six inches or 15 centimeters of snow, which he measured at 14 inches or 36 centimeters long and eight inches or 20 centimeters wide. There were four toes about three to four inches or eight to 10 centimeters long with short claws. He thought it could only be a bear, but his companions didn't agree. 
they didn't have powerful enough guns to deal with an animal of that size, so they didn't want to track it. A grizzly bear has an average back, claw, back paw size of about 15 inches or 38 centimeters in length, but has five toes and long claws. The bear paw is fairly round and not as elongated. So it probably wasn't a paw print from a bear, something that David Thompson later wrote that he found difficult to believe. At some point, the bear assumption must have been put aside by at least some, but science is not supporting the existence of Bigfoot. And I'll start a quote from Wikipedia. Scientists discount the existence of Bigfoot and consider it to be a combination of folklore, misidentification, and hoax rather than a living animal. They note the lack of physical evidence after centuries of investigation, despite the fact that numerous creatures would have to exist in order to maintain a breeding population. But we'll have to continue talking about Bigfoot after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good To Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiak's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. 
Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing Bigfoot. And I was quoting from Wikipedia about how science is not really supporting the existence of Bigfoot. So I will continue with the quote. And I was just talking about that. The quote said that numerous creatures would have to exist in order to maintain a breeding population. A small group of investigators are sustained in their interest by occasional new reports of sightings. Such reports are attributed to persons seeing various animals, particularly black bears, end quote. That's why the LaFleur County Bigfoot Massacre is so interesting. If true, there was allegedly a Bigfoot community living in their habitat. Is Oklahoma State, where there have been a lot of alleged Bigfoot activity, in the United States, where have there have been the most sightings? The Bigfoot Field Research Organization, that's BFRO, keeps records of sightings. On their website, Washington State has the most sightings with 642. Of the largest states, North Dakota has the fewest sightings with six. Washington State is mountainous and forested, while North Dakota has has few small forests and, uh, and is not mountainous. Oklahoma has 94 sightings, so there appears to be plenty of activity. Oregon has 245 sightings, while California has 437 sightings. The West Coast states as well are, are well represented. Interestingly, Ohio and Illinois have numerous sightings. Ohio has 273, while Illinois has 287. What about Canada? The most sightings have been in British Columbia with 130. Again, the West Coast is most prominent. Ontario and Manitoba have the next highest, have the next highest number of sightings with 67 and 31 respectively. The distribution of sightings in Canada seems to follow that of the United States. That would suggest that habitat plays a big role. We have established that sightings have been relatively recent, but when did sightings become more common? Was it after the cable show Finding Bigfoot started to be broadcast? There is a sightings histogram on the website Tableau Public. Sightings were fewer until the late 1960s. Sightings sightings peaked in the late 70s but stayed consistently high until the major peak over the early 2000s. Since then sightings appear to have declined so it doesn't appear that any television show has had any effect. The total number of sightings sightings, including in the statistics is 3,781 from 1955 to 2011. So you have to believe a lot of people are seeing something that they believe is Bigfoot. So there must be something being sighting, cited, even if it isn't Bigfoot. I'm intrigued by sightings increasing until recent years, with only a few being reported up until half a century ago. I wonder if decades ago people saw something but more reluctant to report it. They may have been assumed to have been crazy. That makes sense. Also, if you see something for which there have been thousands of reports already, 
it has become a common occurrence. But overall, besides native oral tradition, it seems that Bigfoot has only been sighted in the last hundred years in North America. I think we need to cover two aspects. We can go through some eyewitness accounts and then talk about creatures similar to Bigfoot being reported as being sighted across the globe. Why don't we start with some eyewitness accounts from the United States? Let's start with probably the most famous. I think that many of us will have seen the movie footage shot by Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin in North Car Nor Northern California excuse me, in 1967. Here is an account of the sighting from the website Outside Online. The horses saw it first. Patterson's reared, kicking and protesting. Then Gimlin's less than 100 feet away. The men saw why. A hulking gorilla-like figure covered in dark hair hurried on two legs along the creek bed. Its sloped head and torso were pushed forward, its upper back hunched, thigh muscles rippling, long arms swinging, breasts exposed. Patterson scrambled off his spooked animal, holding its reins just long enough to reach inside his saddlebag for the camera. Gimlin, a cowboy famous through the Yakima Valley for taming wild, co wild colts and running in breakneck suicide races, dropped the pack horse's rope and gripped the reins of his frightened pony to steady it. Patterson scrambled across the uneven ground, waving the camera in one hand, the film blurry as he ran. He stopped to crouch and steady himself, then trained the lens on the strange figure, the camera shaking from his breathing. Bob, cover me, he yelled over his shoulder to Grimlin, who rode towards the creek, dismounting his horse and drawing his rifle. The pitcher steadied as the creature, mid-stride, turned to look over its right shoulder just a glance before it disappeared into the forest. A skunky, rank odor hung heavy in the air. The whole affair was over in less than a minute. End quote. The brief movie is easily found on the internet. It has been criticized for the creature appearing to be a human in a suit, but replicating the way the creature walked on camera has proven to be extremely difficult. Another sighting that has well-known footage viewed by millions on YouTube is from Provo Canyon in Utah. The sighting is from October 2012. Here's a quote from the Cryptozoology News website, quote, In 2012, a man in the area of Provo Canyon, Utah, recorded footage of an unidentified humanoid. The man who appeared to be hiking with an the man who appeared to be hiking with another person said the animal stood on two legs and threw a rock at them prior to running into the wilderness. A short video shows the two hikers' legs and, dark, and a dark, hairy figure hiding behind a small, dry bush on the side of an arid hill. As the man points the camera at the purported creature, it throws something in their direction, prompting both parties to run away. There have been numerous reports of Bigfoot sightings in the Provo Canyon zone throughout the years, unquote. A more recent sighting with photographs is from October of 2017 in the Fresno area of Northern California. The following is a quote from a Fox News website. The legendary Bigfoot and other creatures like it have reportedly been spotted near a Northern California lake, according to a paranormal investigator. Jeffrey Gonzalez, a self-described paranormal expert, said he had heard about the sightings from a local farmer who said he saw the creature and five others running on his ranch near Avocado Lake. One of them, which was extremely tall, had a pig over his shoulder, Gonzalez said in comments attained by Fox 26, a Fox News affiliate. And the five scattered, and the one with the pig was running so fast it didn't see an irrigation pipe and it tripped, with the pig flying over, end quote. According to eyewitnesses Jeffrey Gonzalez, 
the sighting was not uncommon for the area. He stated that there have been three sightings over the previous five years in Fresno County. Let's move on to Bigfoot-like sightings outside of North America. I think a lot of people would have heard about the Yeti or the abominable snowman. Here is a quote from Wikipedia. Quote, in the folklore of Nepal, the Yeti or abominable snowman is an ape-like entity taller than the average human that is said to inhabit the Himalayan region of Nepal, Bhutan and Tibet. The name Yeti and Meite are commonly used by the people indigenous to the region and are part of their history and mythology. Stories of the Yeti first emerged as a facet of Western popular culture in the 19th century. The scientific community has generally regarded the Yeti as a legend, given the lack of evidence of its existence. In one genetic study, researchers matched DNA from hair samples found in the, Him in the Himalaya with a prehistoric bear from the Pleistocene epoch." Unquote. Where did the name Abominable Snowman come from? It sounds British. I'll quote from the same Wikipedia article, quote, the name Abominable Snowman was coined in 1921, the same year Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Berry led the 1921 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Expedition, which he chronicled in Mount Everest, the Reconnaissance, 1921. In the book, Howard Berry includes an account of crossing the Lakpa La at 21,000 feet or 6,400 meters, where he found footprints that he believed were probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather like those of a barefooted man. He adds that his Sherpa guides at once volunteered that the tracks must be that of the wild man of the snows, to which they gave the name Mato Kangmi. Mato translates as man bear and Kangmi translates as snowman, unquote. The name Abominable Snowman was used in an article in the Statesman in Calcutta publication, which included interviews with some of the expedition members. The word abominable means unpleasant or a lot worse. That seems unfair given that there was no contact with the alleged creature. Are there any reliable reports of sightings of the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman? Given the remoteness of countries like Nepal, there haven't been many sightings. The few reported sightings have been either discredited or disputed. DNA testing of the suspected Yeti hair, bone and skin has proven to be from known animals such as bears. Many believe the different species of bears are behind Yeti sightings. Besides the Yeti, what other similar creatures are thought to exist? There's the Yowie from Australia, the orange pendek from, uh, from Indonesia. Here is a description of the Yowie from the website Live Science. I'll quote, Yowie, the wild man from down under, reportedly stands anywhere from five foot five to 11 feet, that's 1.5 to 3.4 meters tall and has yellow or red eyes deeply set inside a dome-shaped head. Yowies are said to have tan, black, gray or white hair covering black skin with arms so long they nearly reach the ground. According to George Eberhardt's encyclopedia, Mysterious Creatures, the name Yowie comes from the Aboriginal word Yui, which means dream spirit, unquote. Here is a description of the orange pendak from the same website. I may not be able to finish the quote, but I'll start. According to the field guide to Bigfoot, Yeti and other mystery primates worldwide, the natives of Sumatra have long believed in the orange pendak, which means little man. I think you could, should take us into the break, Justina. Yes, we'll continue talking about other creatures after this break. 
and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com.
Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing different creatures that might be related to the Bigfoot or may not exist at all. So, Dad, can you please continue with your quote about the Orang Pendic? Yes, the Orang Pendic seems to have a large pot belly and maybe dark gray, dark black, yellow, or tan in color. It also it, it also said to have very long hair and stands anywhere from 2.5 to 5 feet, which is 0.8 to 1.5 meters tall. One of the first alleged sightings of the orange pendic occurred in 1923 when a Dutch settler in Sumatra saw one in a tree. Though he was armed, he refused to shoot it because it resembled a human, unquote. Are there any others? There is the Alma from Mongolia, Mongolia and the Yaren from China. Here's a description of the Alma from the website Exemplar. Quote, the Almas are known in Mongolia as hairy bipedal humanoids. Unlike the neighboring Yeti, they are believed to be more human than ape, but they are just as elusive. This is not like any, this is not unlike many tales of wild men in Asia and Eastern Europe. Theories abound as to the origin of the almonds, but, but some researchers believe they may be a living population of an earlier human ancestor that may have somehow survived extinction, extinction, unquote. Here is a description of the Yaren or Yaren as it is spelled in the article from the same website, quote, the, this creature lives in the forests of China and is described as something very close to Bigfoot in size and appearance. What's interesting is that the Yaren hails from the general area of the world where Gigantopithecus, the ancient giant ape, is believed to have gone extinct. Equally interesting is that this beast shares a lot in common with the Mongolian Almas. Also, also called the Chinese wild man, reports of this creature go back for generations. Again, like the Sasquatch in North America and the Yowie in Australia, stories often contain a touch of mysticism, making it tough to discern if the Yaren is a flesh and blood creature or some kind of spiritual being dreamed up by local cultures, unquote. I think it is for uh, Bigfoot cousins around the wor world, but there may be some North American uh, cousins as well. Yes, there is the winged dingo from Canada, which is a hairy man-like creature from Native American legend. Stories go that it can transform from being human and has negative intentions. In Ohio, there is the grassman, which apparently is a type of Bigfoot. Apparently, sightings and stories go back hundreds of years. From Florida is the skunk ape, which, as the name suggests, emits a foul odor. Here's an account of a sighting from Wikipedia. In 2002, photograph photographers photographs excuse me said to be one of the skunk ape were taken by anonymous woman and mailed to the sheriff's department of sarasota county florida the photographs were accompanied by a letter from the woman in which she claimed to have photographed an ape in her backyard the woman wrote that on three different nights an ape had entered her backyard to take apples left on her back porch she was convinced the ape was an escaped orangutan I think we need to mention a possible association between Bigfoot sightings and UFOs. I recall reading about Bigfoot sightings along with UFOs on more than one occasion. Well, I'll ha also have to mention that we haven't come up with any theories of how Bigfoot appears, then disappears, along with little or no evidence for any existence on this planet. Assuming that Bigfoot is actually real, it is really strange that there are so many sightings with so little physical evidence. Yeah, the possibilities seem to be no more than speculation, so I will ask the first question. 
Were Bigfoot active in the state of Oklahoma in the 1850s? Yes. Were Bigfoot active in other parts of the United States and Canada in the 1850s? Yes. At the time in Lafour County, was there any truth in the stories of vegetables thought to have been stolen by Bigfoot? No, the vegetables were not stolen by Bigfoot. Were Bigfoot capable of stealing children from their families in the 19, sorry, in the 1850s or at any other time? No. In 1855, did a 30-man troop depart to the McCurtain County Wilderness area to take out the alleged thieves and kidnappers who were believed to be Bigfoot? Yes. At around 4.30 in the afternoon, did the troop led by Joshua LaFleur charge towards the edge of the pine forest? Yes. Did the troop come across the remains of the 19 children? They came across some remains, yes. Were they of the children? Some of the children, but not all. Were the three Bigfoot and Joshua LaFleur killed as a result of the troop engaging the three Bigfoot that remained? There was a battle, yes. So there were people and so-called creatures, yes. Were the creatures Bigfoot? Yes. Why didn't a troop return with the body of Joshua LaFleur and physical evidence of the Bigfoot being real? Because more of the Bigfoot creatures came, so they took the bodies back with them. If the Bigfoot didn't take the children, how did the children get there? That was actually from different humans, that some of the humans actually killed some of the children, and other bodies were found with the children who had ran away. So the Bigfoot were not responsible for the children dying, but the scene made it look like the Bigfoot were responsible. What were the Bigfoot doing there? Trying to live. So why didn't the three Bigfoot, Bigfoot sorry, just disappear when they saw so many troops heading for them? Because at the time, the Bigfoot weren't afraid of humans, since in the past there were human interactions and the humans never tried to kill the Bigfoot. In the oral tradition of the native peoples of the United States and Canada, the native people did not try to hurt the Bigfoot. Is that correct? Correct. They viewed nature as something to have an honor for and a respect for, instead of just murder. So any kill they made was for food purposes, and obviously nobody is really going to eat something like a Bigfoot creature. So different Native Americans would see the Bigfoot, and they would just see them, and they would not attack. They would just, basically a lot of situations were just locking eyes and acknowledging each other existed. So when this whole situation happened, it really made the Bigfoot actually look guilty, but it was not their fault. So that's why only some of the children's bodies were found, since it was a mass murder situation from the Bigfoot. But instead, some of the children died of natural causes in the woods, and a couple of them were actually killed by human means. Yes, it wasn't a mass murder by the Bigfoot. Um, so next question. So there is some truth in the story, but the story has been interpreted incorrectly. Correct. After generation and generation of passing it down, the story obviously became altered. Was there a major change for the Bigfoot as a community after the, this incident? Did they become more shy of humans? Yes, very shy. And the problem is that there's still the fear surrounding that, it, that if they do have human interaction, that they will be killed for science and other means. So that's the problem with Bigfoot hunting now, is that there are different signs, but that the actual bodies will not be recovered since the Bigfoot are actually scared of humans now. Just like most wild creatures are scared of humans, since humans have the easy means to kill them. Did all the Bigfoot in the entire world get to know about the massacre in Lafleur County? Did that spread throughout their entire community? 
Yes, and there were also a couple other situations where other Bigfoot were killed in other parts of the world at the time. So that was kind of the time that there was a lot more interactions and a lot more murders. So yes, it did spread through the community. I'm going to change subjects now. Was the creature that the turtle man Ernie Brown chased after a Bigfoot? Yes. Did the Bigfoot leave some hair behind that was DNA tested? Yes. Why wasn't the DNA able to be matched with any known DNA? Because the DNA of a Bigfoot is not in the system. So it would have to be in the system, which obviously it is not. Why are there no reports of finding any type of den or dwelling that might be used by a Bigfoot as a home? Because they don't live in homes such as that. So they are more creatures who just sleep wherever they feel like sleeping. So they do not need shelter like a lot of animals do. Do Bigfoot use dens built by bears or other dwellings created by large creatures? They might explore them, but not to sleep or live in, no. Do Bigfoot have a strong and pleasant smell as often reported? Yes and no. Again, that depends on perspective of what you call bad smell. But from a human perspective, it would not be a pleasant smell, no. So to the Bigfoot, it is not unpleasant? Correct. Is Bigfoot omnivorous and nocturnal? Yes. Does Bigfoot have a sixth sense and know when people are trying to find them? Yes. Was Bigfoot named after Spotted Elk, also called Chief Bigfoot? Yes. Have the native people of North America been sighting Bigfoot for centuries? Yes. Was the footprint observed near Jasper, Alberta by Severan trader David Thompson in 1811 made by a Bigfoot rather than a large bear? Yes. Do Bigfoot live in communities as suggested by the story of the Lafour County Bigfoot Massacre? Yes, so their communities depend on the numbers. So it can be as little as two of them or as big as 50, depending on the area. Are the Bigfoot or is the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, BFRO records accurate in that the West Coast of North America has the largest population of Bigfoot? Yes, that is correct. Why are Bigfoot sightings most common in Western areas of North America? Is it because forested land offers both cover to disappear and the right food source? Yes, and also because the weather isn't as extreme as other places, so they migrate with the weather. So for example, they would not live in a very cold climate since that would be difficult for them to forage for food. So they have to go where the food supply is existing and can survive through the winter also. Are there different types of Bigfoot observed in different parts of the United States and Canada? Yes. Why have apparent Bigfoot sightings only become numerous in the last hundred years? I think we'll have to continue with the questions and the psychic insight after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good To Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www. WilliamSPeckham.com Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were going through the questions and the psychic insight about Bigfoot. So, Dad, can you please repeat the question you asked before the break? Yes. Why have apparent Bigfoot sightings only become numerous in the last hundred years? Because they are being more curious again. And with different technological increases, they're observing humans more and more to see what new technology exists. So since it has been a major time of change in civilizations, they're also curious as to what humans are up to. And they're also worried about their current living situation and that the forest they live in will be destroyed. So they're doing a lot of observations and preparing for the future. Why have apparent Bigfoot sightings only become more common in the last 50 years? Just because people are actually reporting it and getting more interested. So there were sightings before, but they were not properly reported. 
Why was the number of sightings in the United States peaking in the late 1970s and again in the early 2000s? Basically, when they get more curious and technology increases. So when there are big changes, especially in their land and their living situations and food and everything like that, they will become more curious and be more easily spotted. Were the statistics on the number of reported sightings influenced, especially in the earlier years, by people reluctant not to appear crazy? Yes, a lot of people do not come forward, and a lot of people still do not come forward, since the whole concept that there's these creatures with which humans haven't found a body or scientific proof of is very out there for a lot of people in their minds. Was the figure in the film footage captured by Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin in Northern California in 1967 a Bigfoot? Yes. Was the skunky odor reported by Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin created by one or more Bigfoot? Yes. Why is it difficult to recreate the walking style observed for an apparent Bigfoot? Because humans are thinking it in a human perspective compared to an animal's perspective. So they have to realize that the walking style is something that could be more compared more to different animals, not of a human. Was the figure captured in the film footage in 2012 in the area of Provo Canyon, Utah, a Bigfoot? No. What was the creature? That was a bear. Why have there been so many sightings in the area of Provo Canyon, Utah? Because some of the Bigfoot are trying to migrate to that area. Was the sighting of six Bigfoot near Avocado Lake in Northern California in 2017 a real sighting? Yes. Did the tall creature with a pig over its shoulder trip on the irrigation pipe? Yes. Are sightings of Bigfoot common in the, that area of in Fresno County? Not as common as other places, but they do exist, yes. Has there been an authentic sighting of the Yeti or abominable snowman? Yes. So the Yeti actually exists? Yes. Has the Yeti been mistaken for other creatures, including bears? Yes. Is there such a creature as the Yowie in Australia? Yes. Is it the same creature as Bigfoot or just related to Bigfoot? In the same family, so you can think of it as even the family of monkeys, where there's a different type of monkeys in the same family. So it's a similar situation as that. Is there such a creature as an orange orang, sorry, pendek in Indonesia? Yes. Is it small? It is smaller, but is it the same creature as Bigfoot or just related to Bigfoot? Related, but not the same. That's more of a distant relative. Is the Alma from Mongolia or the Yaran from China a real creature? Yes. So they both were real? Correct. Are either the Alma from Mongolia or the Yaren from China a Bigfoot or related to the Bigfoot? Very distant relatives. So you would think of it as a creature in a similar sense where there's no proof of it, but they're not distant relatives. So more of a creature that's not proven, but not directly related or distantly related. So more of a new, different species. Are either the Wendigo from Canada or the Grassman from Ohio a real creature? The first one is real, the second one is not. Can the Wendigo transform from being human and does it have negative intentions? They're not positive creatures, no, and not transform from being human, but can tra can transform. But it's something that people should stay away from. Is the Wendigo related to Bigfoot? No. 
Is a skunk ape, which has apparently been sighted in Florida, a real creature? No. Was it some kind of orangutan? Yes, it was related to the monkey family. Did it escape from a zoo? It was someone's pet originally. Are Bigfoot sightings with UFOs reasonably a common occurrence? Yes and no. It depends, since if someone sees signs of Bigfoot, they're more likely to be observing of the area. So they're more likely to see some other strange objects or lights, since they're looking for them. So yes, they may see both together, but it's just because they're more on guard and more observing of the situations. Why are there so few theories regarding the existence of Bigfoot? Because the problem is that they haven't recovered any bodies from the Bigfoot yet. So it is very hard to prove a theory without actually having the physical proof in front of people. So that's the problem. And that's why there are so many people searching is that for people to believe in something until they actually get a body of the creature. And that's the issue since people want the body of the creature. It's almost going to be impossible to actually get the creature since the creatures are aware that they are being hunted down in a way. Is there any way we can help people understand that these are harmless creatures that need to be left alone? If you think about it, there are a lot of different creatures on the planet that are just trying to survive. So almost every animal in the animal kingdom is just trying to live another day, reproduce, and to live a life of survival. And the Bigfoot is very similar, where all they are trying to do is exist and reproduce and live their lives. It is not like the Bigfoot are trying to hurt humans or harm them in any way. So it's the same concept where most animals are more scared of humans than humans are scared of them. And it's the same with them. So as we covered in a different show, there are many undiscovered species, and there will be more and more discoveries of them. And it seems to bother people that an undiscovered species could be so large and so prominent. But what humans have to understand is that the Earth, the world, is not something that's only their property. They're sharing it with a lot of other creatures, animals, where they need to have a mutual respect for these creatures. That suggests to me that the native peoples of North America in their spiritual approach to sustainability are correct. Yes, and it's all right to have to kill animals for food, but there's also respect there they use the animal and make sure nothing of the animal is left behind, where every part is used. And also the spiritual aspect where they bless their different food before they eat it, which is very important since just like everything, animals have their own souls. So the animals do have to go somewhere after they are not living. How are Bigfoot apparently able to disappear so easily? They are very quick moving. Does Bigfoot have the ability to camouflage itself easily? Yes. How are Bigfoot best described? So Bigfoot looks like the typical description, so larger than a human or even a bear could possibly be. Very, very large feet furl over their body, and they do communicate by animal-like noises. So the howls are true. And what what can be said is basically a basic image of what Bigfoot has been portrayed of is correct. Are the Bigfoot aware of the television series Finding Bigfoot? Yes. What can we learn from human experience with Bigfoot, including native people's oral tradition? Just the respect aspect. So the problem is that there's less and less respect even for a person's own self. And that's something that in society is hard since humans have little respect for each other. And that portrays through through society. And also they have little respect for the earth and the animals around them. So obviously there are people who do have respect and they do have this mutual respect and this own self-respect. But just generally respect is something that is very important. 
So if you go in a forest, obviously not burning down the forest, harming the trees, animals, plants for no reason, respecting the surroundings, and understanding that humans have torn down a lot of the nature, killing a lot of the animals. And it's time to start respecting the earth and everything on the earth. And for regards to Bigfoot, if someone wants to go find a Bigfoot and have that respect, then you're going into a territory where the different animals, not even Bigfoot, might be living. But other animals such as bears, rabbits, and any other type of creature may be living there and not to destroy what these animals have set up. So having that respect where they understand that they're going to somewhere that somewhere someone lives. It's a concept that nobody would want someone coming into their house and destroying their home. In the future, are people, are people going to become more educated at how to treat Bigfoot and other creatures and also have respect for nature? That's the key there is education is most important. And if someone is educated, they're more likely to learn different rules and have higher expectations about themselves and others. So that's why education, a full education, not just learning one subject is very important. Since seeing things from others' perspectives and learning different information is so highly valuable. So instead of having the scope that only your opinion and you have your blinders on is not a good attempt as trying to go towards the future, but instead being open to others' beliefs, ideas, and being educated about different belief systems, such as Native Americans or history or different things that have happened, not just in regards to Bigfoot, but life in general. And also having creativity. So that's what a different ancient peoples did was not just have one knowledge of something, but instead looked at it from different perspectives. Okay, that was the final answer. Um, I have to ask whether Bigfoot are too good to be true. That depends on what you are prepared to believe. I don't think we've got much time left, but I really have to thank the listener for the suggestion. Um, We would never have come up with uh, that idea, and we're really grateful. Yes, a big thank you to the listener. And we love getting the listener suggestions. So if anyone has any topics they want to suggest for the future, or if you have any comments on today's show, we'd love to hear from you. So you can type in too good to be true with the first two spelled T-W-O into Facebook. You can like us on there, follow us on there. And there is a place where you can leave any suggestions you have. And then you will get a shout out either if you want to be anonymous or if you want your name used. So as always, thank you so much to all the listeners and stay tuned for next week's show. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com.
Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.